The Korean Thrive Podcast, episode 154. The success of Soak Society. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hey Thriver Jess here, welcome to another episode of the Korean Throw Podcast. It's awesome to be with you for another week. Before I dive into this week's episode, I just want to remind you that next week, very exciting, actually it's not even next week, it's in a couple of days time as I publish this, the Making It Pod course is going to be going live here on the Create and Thrive Podcast. What is it? It's a 30-day free course for makers in business. And I'm going to be doing a lesson here every day on the podcast for 30 days throughout July. And we're going to be talking about mindset, money, marketing, and business management. So if you're not already subscribed, hit that button, make sure that you're subscribed to the show so you don't miss any lessons of the Making It Pod course. And for more, head on over to makingitpodcourse.com. You can get a little bit more detail and you can register to get email reminders and updates about the course throughout July so that you don't miss out on anything. I'm so excited to be bringing this to you. It's an idea that I've had for a long time and it took me a while to kind of crystallize exactly what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do a 30-day course here on the podcast uh, because it's something obviously I've done a few times before. These 30-day courses are kind of my thing, but I wanted to bring something to you for free on the podcast. So I've created Making It and I'm really excited to cover these four aspects of having a thriving handmade business because, you know, without a good mindset, a good handle on your money, a good marketing plan and good biz management, it is so much harder. So I'm going to take you on a journey through those four topics and give you tips and ideas and ask you questions that you can ask yourself that will help you to navigate these four topics. So as I said, it's starting July 1st. And of course, if you're listening to this later, come on back and listen to the whole course. It's going to be there forever on the podcast, ready for you when you're ready for it. I'd love it, love it, love it if you would be willing to share the pod course with your community. Tell people in the Facebook groups you're a part of. Link to the makingitpodcourse.com. Let them have the opportunity to join in uh, and take advantage of this free course that I'm putting out there into the world. Uh, you know, Snaffle an image off my Instagram and share it on your stories. Take a screenshot, tag me at Create and Thrive. However you want to do it, uh, you know, lean over to the person in the market stall next to you and let them know about it. Please do share the word so that as many makers as possible can be part of this and take advantage of this course that I'm creating for you. It would mean the world to me if you are willing to share it. So thank you in advance to everybody who does. And thank you to everybody who's already shared the podcast in the, in the past. It just is amazing uh, to be part of such a wonderful community of people. So thank you for that. Okay, so today we're going to be talking to Nat from Soak Society. She is a local girl, local to me here on the Sunshine Coast, who created her business a few years ago and has had great success. She specializes in making um, natural bath and body products. And she also specializes in selling via wholesale. So if you want to get into the wholesale world, this is going to be a great episode for you. 
We also talk a bit about PR and how to uh, get good PR. And we talk about a bit of balance, you know, (laughs) how you balance work and life. So I really enjoyed talking to Nat. I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast and I'll be back again before you know it with the first lesson of the Making It Pod course. Hi Natalie, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, (laughs) welcome to the show. It's great to have you. So we're here to talk today about your business, Soak Society, and I came across you recently and uh, as we said in email, it seems to me you've done an amazing job in a short period of time, but it doesn't feel like a short period of time. <laughs> yeah, I started um, Soak Society uh, when I was studying at uni and I just feel like it was a really long time ago because I just feel like I've learned so much since then. So when you said that, I was like, oh, it feels like it's been forever. Um, <laughs> been four years this February. So yeah, it's been a while and I've learned a lot in yeah, in that time. <laughs> so what inspired you to start the business? To be honest, it wasn't like I was dead set on making um, like a bath products company. It mm-hmm. just sort of started. I went to Mexico for a semester exchange for uni. And while I was there, like I just had loads of free time, really, like I was just studying, I wasn't working or anything mm-hmm. and just daydreaming of, you know, different ideas <laughs> for businesses. Then when I got back to Brisbane. I, um, yeah, I sort of was toying around with a few different ideas for products and things like that I I just knew I wanted to do something and at that time I was working in hospitality and doing long hours like on my feet you know when your legs get really tired when you get home so I was I'd always um, had Epsom salt baths like even as a kid and so I was just making up these like blends with essential oils to Mm -hmm. use at home myself and I started like looking around and I was like no one's doing natural bath salts that don't have like any synthetic colors or fragrances in them right Uh, and and yeah, sort of just saw a gap in the market and thought, oh, well, you know, I had no money at the time like I was at uni and <laughs> thought I'll just launch it like a basic website just with one product. So I just like started an Instagram account. Yeah, just launched it with one product, which is the original bath salts. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and just it's honestly been really, really slow build up. Um, so I launched each new product as I had the time and money yeah. and yeah, and just grown it organically from there. And then the last... The first two years of the business, I still had other jobs. I had a full-time job. And then um, the last two years, has been um, I've been full-time with Soak Society. So do yeah. you have a business background? Like, were you studying business or anything like that? No. Um, I studied PR. So okay. I've got a, oh, it's a okay. mass communications degree. So it's um, majoring in PR and media. No, I like, I've always been entrepreneurial. When I was in high school, I had a fashion label. All right. <laughs> I'm just selling at some local stores around Maroochydore. And, yeah, I guess I've always I've always known I've wanted to be an entrepreneur. It just took me a long sort of detour to figure out mm. um, how to get there. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think this, obviously you have a very strong background in PR. Uh, do you think that's made a huge difference to the success of Soak Society? Um, yes and no. I've... I worked for a little bit in a role that was a PR role combined with a bit of marketing and some admin, but I've never truly worked in the public relations industry because Mm -hmm. I started, as soon as I finished my degree, I'd already um, started my business, so I went straight into that. But I think um, having any kind of degree really, but especially a PR degree, helps you with um, your writing skills, which Mm -hmm. helps with everything across social media, um, your website and blog, even writing emails. Yes. <laughs> so I think like 
knowing how to write concisely, it, yeah, maybe gave me a little bit of a head start with my business. But yeah, I think it's just determination. You don't have to have a uni degree to be able to start a business. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, yeah. And sometimes it can hold you back because you think, well, maybe I should do it this way or that yeah. way or whatever. And like a part of me thought, oh, well, maybe I should just get a few years work experience you know in a mm. full-time PR role just what to use the degree like I don't know <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> maybe I should just do it but then I enjoy working for myself too much to do that now <laughs> yeah yep. so, I know the yeah. feeling yeah <laughs> sort of going back to a job no no thanks yeah I think so do you you started this all by yourself do you still work by yourself or do you have a team around you now got two one part-time one casual employee mm-hmm. Zeta, who helps with production, um, and she's also a graphic designer, which helps, and Jill, who does some social media assistance and admin assistance. So, yeah, it's a small team still, like mainly just me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and do, do you have plans to expand and get bigger, or do you kind of yeah. want to keep it small? Well, I mean, at the moment, we're stocked in Japan, which is um, that happened last year, and that's a pretty big achievement for you know a small brand. Um, based on the Sunshine Coast. So we're in 100 stores in Tokyo and a few other Japanese cities. Yeah, so, I mean, there's positives and negatives to growing quickly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One is cash flow and being a self-funded business. We can't just get too big really quickly unless we took on some investment, which I don't really want to do. Yeah. So, yeah, of course we want to grow, but we have to do it at a bit of a slower rate than I'd like, but at the same time, it's it's good in other ways. But yeah, there's positives and negatives to fast growth, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I'm looking at your, your stuff, you know, your packaging really stands out as being beautiful. Did you kind of design that yourself or get some help Yeah, with I did actually, okay. yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, the first, like when I said that I launched the first product, that's, yeah. it's been the same packaging the whole time I think it was just like a vision in my head and I just you know obviously got a graphic designer to help me put it together but Mm -hmm. I kind of had that vision from the start of what I wanted the packaging to look like and I've kept it consistent the whole uh, way through so I think that's really powerful because it's that that really strong branding you've got going on around all of your products yeah (laughs) it really stands out and so did you start you started selling online you said with the one product uh, I assume that was direct to customers. Did you did you quickly move into wholesale, or was it something that came later on? Um, it was probably within that first year, and like at the beginning, I had no idea that I would um, be selling wholesale. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I am very grateful to a few um, my very first few stockers that talked me through the process when I said <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. And yeah, I originally thought yes, it would be an online direct to consumer business not knowing how hard it is to get um, individual online sales yeah so it just started off really sporadically I'd get a few orders a week and then yeah I had a few stores approach me they must have seen it online or, or on social media and and say that they wanted to wholesale so yeah I had no idea and they walked me through how to do everything and then I think probably within those first two years when I was still working at my full-time job I probably had maximum 10 or 15 stockists mm-hmm and then once I sort of resigned from my job and said, no, I'm going to go full-time with Soak Society, I knew that that was where I was going to get the sales, basically. So that's when we started doing trade fairs and focusing on wholesale. And now it's the majority of the business is wholesale sales. 
And how do you how do you manage that? Like, does it get overwhelming trying to keep on top of all the different wholesalers, or is it like you've got a, a management system software that kind of keeps track of it all? Um, we've got a whole set, like a stockist newsletter, and that helps send um, news out like once every month or so, just with like media updates, new products, current price list, yeah, just everything that's been happening in the world of Soak Society. <laughs> and like, of course, we still email stockists individually uh just i really enjoy that side of the business like keeping in contact with all the stores and Mm. what's going on with them and just getting feedback and things like that which you can't really get just by sending out a newsletter um so i still do phone calls and emails individually it's not too overwhelming to be honest (laughs) i think it's i like it better than having to deal with individual customers just Mm -hmm. because i have some friends that have got you know online direct-to-consumer businesses that I know feel a lot more overwhelmed than I do yeah. dealing with. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I really like dealing with the, the store owners because they're all independent gift stores and florists, so they're at a similar stage to me, most of them. Yeah. Yeah, similar level of business, so, yeah, it's nice. So what would you say has been the best kind of marketing move you've made for your business? Mm. Probably two main things I can think of. The first being we engaged a public relations agency maybe like a year and a half ago now Mm -hmm. for a four-month contract, and that was really, really helpful. They got us in loads of like Vogue and Harper's Bazaar and a lot of uh, major magazine titles and um, online and bloggers, uh, and that really just helped to boost the awareness Mm -hmm. of the business and um, in turn got us lots of new stockists. And the second is a free one, which is collaborating (laughs) with other businesses. So like throughout my journey, I've made friends with so many other like-minded businesses like skincare, candles, you know, all sort of in the gift industry. Mm -hmm. And we just do like collaborations like gift with purchases, um, interviewing each other on our blogs. So I think those kind of things have really helped as well because we – make sure that the audience are similar for our products and we're promoting it to each other's audience. So that's like a really good free way to like a marketing tool, I find. For sure. Mm. Now, I'm fascinated by the fact that even though you have a degree in PR, you hired a PR agency for a period of time. (laughs) Yeah. What was the the thinking behind that? Um, So basically with PR, you have to be in the industry to have – you're basically paying for all the co- the contacts and the experience that they have within the industry. And, you know, they have coffees with the beauty editors at Vogue every week and, and people like that. So that's something that, like, I know how to write a press release, but I don't know who to send it to. Um, so, yeah, that's what you're paying for with a PR agency. And there are a few more, like, DIY sort of tools coming through now. Like, we use a service called Flaunter, which is like a monthly subscription you can upload all your press releases and all your images on there and media has access to that okay so that's what we do now and obviously i can write press releases to put on there but yeah with a pr agency is definitely worth the the investment i think that's really awesome to hear so Mm. with your you know you've had been in business for four years what would Mm. you say has been the biggest challenge you've had to overcome in that time Oh, that's too many. <laughs> I can't think one. Do any particular ones stand out? <laughs> Maybe um, just around exporting. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't go into too many details, but we've had a few issues with, you know, just with like paperwork and things around um, exporting to the US and Japan. Yeah, it's it's a lot to learn if you 
if you're starting at the beginning and you don't know anything about yes. <laughs> any of those countries and the rules and regulations and the um, the testing for products, registering of products, like it's just a whole new world and it's so different to Australia. So, and that was kind of like the middle and towards the end of last year. So it was very overwhelming and it just consumes you, you know, and it, like, yeah, it's all you can think about and you just want to make it, make sure everything's right. Yes. Um, so that it all goes through and yeah, so... That's probably the biggest one, recent one I can think of. Think well, of. I guess in your industry specifically, bath and body products, there are a lot of regulations around what yeah. can go in them and all of yeah. you know that sort of stuff. So that's yeah. really and interesting. And Japan point. is the strict, like the strictest country um, in in Asia, if not mm-hmm. the world, in terms of like their imported products. I mean, not as strict as food, but uh, mm-hmm. there's still a lot of regulations around it. So I, I sort of feel like it was really hard, but in a way it's good because now we've gone through the strictest um, procedures <laughs> there are. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it won't be so good. hard next time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So on the flip side, what, what would you say has been some of the most successful or standout moments for you? There's been lots. I've I think maybe when we got the online feature on Vogue, that was really exciting. Mm. Um, and in Harper's Bazaar, oh, just this week, I've got chosen to go on a trip to New Zealand with other entrepreneurs as a sponsored spot from the Sunshine Coast Council, which is awesome. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, and that was um, pretty exciting. It's just crazy. Like one minute you're feeling like so happy about something like that and the next minute something really stressful happens. So <laughs> my partner and I joke, it's like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it becomes hard sometimes, I think, to, like, focus on the good things because negative things overtake them sometimes. Mm. So really trying to get better at focusing on the really, really good things that happen for me or and all the business. So. Absolutely, yeah. Our brains, our brains are wired to notice the bad things because they're the dangerous yeah. things, isn't it? So yeah, focusing it's really on hard. That. Yeah, it can be really challenging, definitely. So <laughs> do you, like, you have, you have this dream for the future, do you have any kind of things that you want to achieve but you just haven't found the time for and you're not sure if you will or that you want to make happen in the future? Oh, that's a hard one. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of things that, like, do you mean personally or oh, either, either or. Yeah. Yeah, um, like my partner and I, we still want to um, do a lot more travelling and I'd love to be able to get sex society to the point in the next, say, three to five years where I don't have to have so much of a hands-on role Mm. in the business and like I know I am working towards that point sometimes I just get really impatient (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it's hard you know with a self-funded business you're reinvesting money all the time um, and I'd love to be able to do more traveling overseas and around Australia yeah and own our own home and things like that in the future as well yeah sounds like you're on track for that so that's pretty exciting (laughs) trying (laughs) speaking of life uh the rest of life are you still in that kind of manic phase where it's all work 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 or have you found a bit more of a balance between Mm -hmm. your job and the rest of of life at the moment yeah i think i've definitely found more of a balance and i've always been fairly good at say in the last two years fairly good at balancing like work and uh, me time well your whole brain's kind of a bit about that yeah really but at the same time, last like late last year when it was really busy and coming up towards Christmas, um, I really wasn't doing that and I got really, really overwhelmed and like, you know, I struggle with anxiety um, occasionally and things like that. So it was, I really wasn't taking care of myself the way that I should have been and I, was, and I was saying, oh, you know, I'll just 
So we went to Bali for three weeks over Christmas and New Year's and I was saying, oh, you know, I'm just going to wait until then, you know, I'll yeah. save it up until then <laughs> and then I'll relax. <laughs> and it was, you know, it, like once we got there, it took me a full week before I felt mm. relaxed, like, like I was unwinding, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think, but at the same time, I think it's like you go through phases and it's like ups and downs. So I kind of just... When I am in those like really busy periods, I kind of just ride it out and then like if it's a quiet period, like at the moment it's not crazy busy, I I do take more time for myself and I might not work like a full 40-hour week. I yeah. might take a few days off and go to the beach and like I try to take advantage of the ebbs and flows of the business mm-hmm. year, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's like a constant struggle, I think. Like I know I'm not alone with this. Like some weeks it's, you think, oh, I've got loads of time for myself or whatever. <laughs> like I don't have children, so I think it's a little bit easier for me to find the time mm. myself. You, you just have to be conscious of it, like consciously like meditating or whether it be having a bath or going for a walk on the beach. Definitely. Yeah. I found I found the same thing, obviously, in my own business journey, going through the kind of burnout period and going, oh, this is this is not sustainable. Let's change this. Mm-hmm. So, but it can be hard. Like, but, you know, same with me. Last few months, I've been really busy doing a lot of, you know, behind the scenes work that I've mm-hmm. been meaning to get to. And yep. uh, it's been pretty full on. But then, you know, other times I might work three days a week. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's finding that sort of long-term balance, I think, in being aware yeah. that there are the ups and the downs and the, the busy times and the quiet times and yeah. realising that you can control, not control that, but flow with that, I guess. Uh, yeah. And the, like, I think it's so easy to feel guilty. Like, if any of the listeners are, like, solopreneurs or whatever, like, you don't have any other team members to, like... Like, you feel like you're, like, hiding a dirty secret almost. Like, oh, I'm having a day off in the middle of the week. Like... But you need to give yourself permission because what about all those other weeks when you worked 80 hours a week? Like it needs to be a balance and you Mm. can't feel guilty about it. And I think it's so easy to be like, oh, everyone else is at work, so I should be at work too, you know. But then what about, yeah, all those evenings that you spent doing emails or whatever whatever it is, so... I think that's yeah. a really good point. <laughs> trying to be kinder to myself this year. <laughs> <laughs> that's very good to hear. So you mentioned, um, you know, meditation. You mentioned that on your website, that that's one of the ways that you kind mm. of de-stress and I do the same thing. And obviously soaking in the bath, but probably not in this yep. weather. Unless yep. no. <laughs> it's a cold bath. <laughs> I actually did have a cold bath. <laughs> it's like when you're yeah. a kid in queensland and you didn't have a pool and you just like i'm just gonna yeah. run a cold bath and get in that because it's so hot <laughs> uh, yeah so um are there any other things that you do to take care of yourself well yeah like you said meditation so i practice what's well, tm transcendental meditation which is really helpful and i try to do that twice a day but it doesn't always happen mm-hmm. sometimes it's um just once sometimes it's not at all but i try to like go with it when I'm feeling it mm-hmm. and we live right near the beach in Coolum so it's no excuse really to go for a walk <laughs> on the beach take the dog for a run so I try to do that and just sometimes like I'll put my earphones in listen to a podcast or audiobook or sometimes just nothing and go for an hour walk um, that really helps having a bath doing a face mask hair mask those kinds of things mm-hmm. and I think like yeah I just try and do things that I know make me feel good like I just love reading a book for like half a day sometimes <laughs> oh, i feel you there sister um, yeah just, just like try and like not feel guilty that's what you want to do and that's what you class as your me time that might be different to someone else's whatever makes your soul feel happy then do that <laughs> absolutely 
totally agree and that kind of comes back again full circle to the ethos behind your business Uh, Mm. you know it's all about ethical production ethical products and and materials Uh, was i assume you know talking at the beginning that that was a conscious choice for you and that's something you want to maintain going forward with your brand um, yeah, so it's more so about the ingredients, mm-hmm. not wanting to include any toxins because I know I was just um, was seeing all these, you know, really bright coloured bath products with synthetic fragrances and I just thought, like, why would you want to soak your whole body in something? It's not just like you're using a shower gel. It's like you're actually soaking your body and absorbing everything that's in that bath. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll, we'll never use um, any synthetic fragrances. We only use essential oils. Mm-hmm. Even in our new bubble bath, we spent a long time getting the formula right uh, to make that and make it a beautiful fragrance that doesn't use any preservatives or synthetic fragrance. So, yeah, definitely want to um, continue doing that and and we manufacture all the products in Australia as well, mm-hmm. which is important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you, do you manufacture them yourselves or do you kind of outsource some of that? Uh, a bit of both. Yeah. Yeah, half and half. The bubble bath gets manufactured elsewhere and we do the salts here. Awesome. Yeah. So just to kind of wrap things up, what's one or a couple of pieces of advice you'd like to give to fellow makers about running a successful business? Well, I've recently been listening to a book called Profit First, and that's Mm -hmm. been really helpful. Um, I think at the start, no one really tells you, you know, like about your product margins and all that kind of thing. Like kind of just, and, and I made the same mistake. I priced my product just depending on the market. I didn't really work out the cost of my product and then price it up from there. So, yeah, I would just say, like, really understanding your numbers specific to you and not just going off what anyone else is doing and not just focusing on, like, the turnover of your business, focusing mm-hmm. on the profit. Yeah, it's a really good book if anyone wants to listen to it. Yeah, I'll put read the it. link in the show notes. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's really changed how I think about money and the, it's, like, the whole mindset of, like, putting yourself first because you're the most important person in your business, which really appealed to me. And it's like if you're taking the money for yourself first, you're in your head that's, you know, making you a priority and and in turn your business will become successful from that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's really interesting. And other than that, I would just say just start something and figure it out as you go along. (laughs) That's what I (laughs) did. (laughs) Yeah, don't try to make it too perfect. Just start it and you can always refine it later. Definitely, definitely. I love that. And it's so true. <laughs> so many people wait like for when they're ready. Yeah. But you're never ready. No, you're never ready. You just have to, yeah, you just have to start it and you can fix things up later. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have children either, but I imagine it's a bit like being a parent. Like you're never quite yeah. ready. No. <laughs> you just have to, yeah, just have to figure it out as you go along. It's fine tuning. Yeah, yeah. Business, business is just, you know, it's another, it's my baby. Yeah. So, yeah. Helping it grow. <laughs> work out how to walk and talk and all those sorts of things um i love what you said about the profit thing and the money thing and one last question on that Mm -hmm. do when you do price do you consider the competition or do you just look at your business and and price it where you need to price it both Mm -hmm. obviously you have to work out if you're going to be making money off a product including all your fixed expenses like rent and and whatever else it might be but at the same time we really had to ask our stockists what price like with launching the new bubble bath, right. we could just go, oh, okay, we're going to make it this price. We had to get feedback from our stockers and, and they would this bubble bath at thirty nine ninety five retail sell in your store mm-hmm. because they're, they're our business. So yes, 
and we have to be pleasing them and their customers basically we can't just make up our own price so we sort of made it so it was like the replacement for because it's a gift item we replaced mm. it for like if you're buying your friend like a soy candle that's around the $40 mark it would be a similar so like thinking about why the customer's buying it, where are they buying it, and what would they maybe replace it, be replacing it with? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a really good yeah. point. So, yeah, I think just considering everything, not just making up a price because that's what the competition's doing. <laughs> yeah, and I love your point. Like, for, for those out there who are going to sell wholesale or planning on selling wholesale, actually consulting with your wholesalers because, like you said, they are your customers Definitely. and they know what yeah. sells in their stores. So that's a really yeah. good tip as well. Yeah, exactly. Like I would say more than 95% of our business is from wholesale. So you just have to constantly be talking to your stockers, asking for their feedback, what's working, what's not working, what mm-hmm. point of sale, things do they need, anything that can help you. And then in turn that will sell more product, obviously, which is better for everyone. So Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Natalie. That was fantastic. Okay. Some Thanks great for having tips Jess. There. And where can we find you online? What's the best place to find you? Um, on Instagram at Soak Society. Same on Facebook, Soak Society. Yeah, that's it. Awesome. <laughs> and SoakSociety.com. Excellent. I highly recommend everybody go check out Natalie's <laughs> work, especially if you need a little bit of a relaxing soak at the end of a hard yes. day of building your business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks again, Nat. All right. See you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Natalie, for coming on the show and sharing your story with us today. Remember, if you want to join me for the Making It Pod course, ensure that you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And head on over to makingitpodcourse.com to register to get email updates and reminders, and maybe a little bit more during the run of the course. Thank you so much for being here. It's an honor to be in your ears talking to you about handmade business. Thank you so much for trusting me and you know, being here as part of this wonderful handmade community that we have all over the world. I'll be back again very soon. I'm Jess Van Den. This has been the Create and Thrive podcast and goodbye for now.